Good evening, and welcome to NYA. So good to be with you. I wish I could tell you that that video was a joke. That is a real life video, and that is a real church in Florida. And every time I see it, I think to myself, God bless America. Where else can you go to church with a cat on your head? Sometimes, actually, I wonder if Daniel has come to church with a cat on his head. Oh! <laughs> Where is Daniel? Daniel, are you here? Okay, good. I'm glad you heard that. I was a little concerned you missed it. <laughs> oh! Touche. <laughs> Getter, you're not allowed to be here anymore, man. You got to go. You're done. When I watched that video, it was funny. I showed that video to Daniel and he watched it and he looked at me and he goes, this video makes me so angry. And I'm like, I know. I go, but if you watch it a couple more times, this video will convict you. This video will make you not so disturbed about that church. This video will make you incredibly disturbed about yourself. Listen, honestly, if we were just to take a moment and think about it, and, and, and honestly, if I'm just being honest with myself, I think to myself, how often have I come to church and I've had that kind of attitude? Like I've come to church and I might have well have driven myself into my seat because there might as well be four doors and a windshield around me because I literally have no intention of getting to know anyone. For a lot of us, church is all about me, right? It's all about what I want. It's about me coming and getting worship that suits my taste and hearing that preacher that I like to hear. It's about me coming and me being ministered to because so many of us have bought into an idea that Christianity is all about you and your relationship with God. And so that's, that's so often what we see and what people begin to look for in a church is what is going to minister to me? What, what is going to suit my taste? And we might as well be driving in to church. Listen, um, I think I introduced myself. My name's Andy. <laughs> I'm the young adults pastor here. It's so good to have you. We're kicking things off with a new series in which we're going to be going into the book of Colossians. And I am really looking forward to doing that because the book of Colossians is going to challenge this sort of church mentality. And it's going to convict us. And I pray that tonight we are all convicted when we get into the word. It was interesting. We, uh, we kick-started our summer by going to Wakefest. I don't know how many of you were at Wakefest with us. Oh, it was an amazing time. There were 150 of us in Asoyas. We, we rented out an entire campsite, and we were just loving being in fellowship with one another. And we did something there that was incredibly biblical. Each morning and each night, we opened up our Bible, and we read from the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is a, is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae while he was in prison. It's, it's called one of the prison epistles. And when he wrote it, 
He wrote these letters so that they would be taken to a church and that they would be read from the front and that those words would minister to the people. And so that's what we did. We didn't have a talk. We didn't do anything fancy. We just came together. We opened the Bible and we just read it together. And for those of you who were there, it was an incredibly meaningful and powerful time of hearing from God's word. And so in many ways, what it did is it kind of kick-started what we wanted to do. We wanted to read the Word, and now in this next semester, as we kick things off here at NYA, we want to take the no- next number of, of, of nights uh, to go through the book of Colossians together. And so we're going we're gonna to start that tonight, and as we get into the beginning of Colossians, I only have one major point for you. I just have one idea that I want to sell you on that the Apostle Paul wants to sell you on, that God wants to sell you on. And that is that here at NYA, we have a Colossians 1 vision for this ministry, for here. And and that simply is, and we're going to get into this in a moment, but that simply is that we want to be a people that aren't buying into the idea of a consumer mentality of church. That we want to be a people that, are, that aren't just buying into this idea that God has saved you just to have a personal relationship with God. And that might surprise some of you to hear that. But when we kicked things off last year, we started in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. In which the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's telling them, listen, you don't just have a personal relationship with God. You have a corporate relationship with God. And this was interesting Because for the Jews, they had only known a corporate relationship with God. The idea that you could have a personal relationship with God was a foreign idea. But the Apostle Paul said, listen, there once was a time that God lived in the temple, but that is no longer the case through Jesus Christ. Now God doesn't live in a temple built of stone. He lives in a body built of flesh. God does, in fact, live in you and I. God's Holy Spirit lives in us, and we are the temple of God, and we do have a personal relationship with the Lord. But Paul goes on to say, but God didn't stop there. In fact, he says that Jesus came and he preached peace to you who were far off. You have to understand, Jesus was preaching peace to you that were far off from God, and he's preaching peace to you that are far off from each other. And that God is calling us to be the church, a group of people that come together. And as we gather tonight, we together are the church. We are the body of Christ. God lives in us and God lives in you. And I'm, and I'm telling you right now that God wants so much more for you than just a personal relationship with God. He wants you to have a personal and a corporate relationship with him. And as we get into the book of Colossians, if you have your Bible, turn with me there. This is going to become more clear of why this is so significant and important. So Colossians chapter 1, I want to look at verses 3 to 6. We'll start by just looking at verse 3. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins by saying, listen, we are praying for you, church in Colossae. We're praying for you. And in fact, he goes on in um, verse 9, he says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. 
We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Now listen to what he says here. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Listen, I want you to know that as your pastor, as a part of your leadership team, I am praying for you. And my desire is to see that your lives would flourish. I pray God's richest blessings on you, but I am so praying that you would have spiritual wisdom, that you would have understanding, that you would be able to honor God with your life, that you would be able to produce good fruit, and that you would be growing as you know God better and better. It's my desire that you would know him and that you would grow in your relationship with him. And what I'm telling you is, it's gonna require prayer. It's gonna require not just me praying for you, but you praying for me. It's gonna require us praying for each other. You see, Paul is saying, we need to be a church of prayer. And that, is our, that begins our Colossians 1 vision of NYA. We wanna be a people that pray. And think about that for a moment. If you are just about your personal relationship with God and it's just you and Jesus in your car getting everything you want, there is no prayer happening. How, how are we knowing what's going on in other people's lives? How are we participating in encouraging one another and praying for each other and building the kind of community that God has called us to? Listen, this means something. It means that there are some of you that just you're going to need to take a gut check and you're going to need to ask yourself, am I willing to be able, am I willing to get uncomfortable and to step out of the car? Am I willing to, to get out of my comfort and am I willing to meet somebody new tonight? Am I willing to say hello to somebody? Listen, we've talked about this before, but our technology has made us so afraid to talk with people, but at the same time has made us so lonely. Are you willing to break that and just get to know somebody? More than that, are you willing to pray for somebody? Listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, if God were to come here right now and he were to stand before you and say, listen, I'm going to answer every single prayer that you prayed this last week, would this world look any different? Would you look any different? Would your friends look any different? We want to be a people that pray. We want to be a people that are willing to get out of our comfort zone. I want to be a kind of person that comes to you and says, listen, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What can I, what can I pray for you for? But this has to go both ways. Listen to what Paul says here. Uh, we're in verse 4. He says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. And this is really interesting what Paul is saying here. Because we've, we've read Paul talk about this before, faith, hope, and love, right? Right? We've heard him say this before. Uh, if you've read your Bible much, you, you hear Paul, Paul talk a lot about that. And in particular, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, listen, there's three things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 
And in the context, Paul wants to highlight love because he's talking about how you serve each other in the church. And Paul's saying this, listen, when you die, you no longer need your faith and your hope is fulfilled. And the only thing you have remaining in this life is the love in which you've lived. And what Paul's getting at is love is significant because it's eternal. Love goes with you. But now Paul's saying, listen, I want you to understand something different about faith, hope, and love. And now in this, in Colossians, Paul is highlighting hope. And he's saying, listen, if you want to be the church, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in your love, it starts with a foundation of hope. And Paul leads in this idea of a confident hope, a hope that isn't some sort of wishful thinking like, oh boy, I sure hope that this Christianity thing is true. Paul is saying, no, no, no. It's built on a confident hope of truth. This is truth. The gospel is truth, that there is hope for you because God loves you and God created a way for you to be in relationship with him, but also to be in relationship with each other. We have hope in him. I, I, was, just, I was thinking about that this last week as I'd just been praying about this and thinking about it and just going, you know, what does Paul mean? Like, like why would, you would almost think that it would be faith. But as I began to think more about it, I, I began to see what Paul's getting at. He's saying, listen, hope is this spring. And, and, and what your hope is founded in is going to determine what kind of spring comes forth from that. Is it going to be a spring of love and faith that is building community? Or is it going to be a spring of loneliness and despair and anxiety because you don't have hope there? Listen, I was reading a, a book recently by a really interesting lady. Her name is Lily uh, Shoki, and she works at John Hopkins University. She is the... Um, uh, she's the director of the, the cancer ward there that deals specifically with breast cancer. And she personally has survived breast cancer twice. And so she is constantly dealing with people that are on death's door. And in the midst of this, this work that she's done, she wrote a book called Fulfilling Hope, Supporting the Needs of Patients with Advanced Cancer. And what she said was this. She says, if you're going to be working in this kind of field, you have to understand that this field is all about managing people's hope. She said this, in fact, she goes, listen, you cannot live without hope. You can't live without hope. You have to have some sort of hope. And a question that you've got to ask yourself is what is the hope that you are founded on? What is the hope that you have placed your trust in? And what kind of a spring is it in your life? Because Paul's saying, listen, the gospel is a foundation of faith and hope and love, and that's what it produces. It produces community, a type of community that loves one another, a type of community that believes together, so you have to understand here at NYA, we want to be a Colossians 1 vision. We want to have a Colossians 1 vision that we are a people that pray, that we are a people that hope, that we are a people that believe, that we are a people that love one another. 
We want to build that kind of community. And, and I guess what I'm asking you is, are you interested in being a part of that kind of vision? Are you interested in being a part of that kind of community? You see, because that's the kind of community that God desires for you. It's the kind of community that he knows isn't just something that is a good idea. It's something that leads to your flourishing. It's something that's good for you. You were created for community. And that might sound kind of odd to you that you were created for community. But this last, uh, this summer, I have... uh, I've been busy doing a bunch of research. As many of you know, I'm participating in a project with um, Power to Change. Apologetics Canada and Power to Change are working on a new film series uh, called The Human Project. And in fact, next week, I'll be flying off to Korea to do some filming there, as long, assuming that it's still there, all right? And I could actually, <laughs> I would appreciate some prayers. But as we're going to Korea and as we're, we're, we're filming, one of the things that we're looking at is this idea of community, And one of the themes that I've been looking at is how there is this global movement that we've been seeing amongst human beings as they are, by and large, giving up on relationships, as people are giving up on community. And what we're finding is, is that it is absolutely devastating to your life, and it is devastating to a society. In fact, I was reading a book called uh, Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam. And in his uh, book, he, he talks about over 20 years worth of research. By the way, uh, Robert is a uh, professor at Harvard University. And he said, listen, from the last 20 years of research, this is what we've concluded. That people who are socially disconnected are between two and five times more likely to die from all causes compared with matched individuals who have close ties with family, friends, and the community. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, it was re- the most recent study on loneliness was released, and it said that loneliness is a public health crisis. I didn't realize this, but loneliness is worse for you than alcohol consumption, obesity, and air pollution. They said, listen, if you want to compare loneliness to something, they said loneliness is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's how bad it is for you. 15, like the next time you're lonely, I guess. Man, I could be smoking 15 15 cigarettes. I'm like, I was thinking about somebody who's lonely and smokes. Like, that is really bad. Okay. (laughs) You were created for community. Listen, I pray that you would just believe this, that you need it. You don't just need community for your physical health. Paul is saying that you need community for your spiritual health. You are not going to grow. You are not going to thrive. You are not going to be healthy until you are in a good community. This is the challenge then. The challenge is, do you believe that? There's a lot of you that would pay lip service to that and go, yeah, you're right, Andy, loneliness sucks. You're probably right. I do need to be involved in community. But all of a sudden, Friday night comes, and it's NYA, or Wednesday night comes, and it's your community group, and you're like, hmm, I'm just going to stay home tonight. 
oh, I got other things to do. Oh, I could just stay here. Or we do come and we do sit here, but again, there might as well be four doors in a, in a windshield over you because you have no interest in connecting with anyone else. Listen, we want to be a community that prays for each other. We want to be a community that hopes together. We want to be a community that has faith together, that believes together. We want to be a community that loves each other. We want to be a place in which we can be healthy and grow and flourish. And so here at NYA, there's a couple ways that we seek to do that. We have this, which is our worship night. And this is an opportunity for you to come and to meet people. It's an opportunity for us to come and to praise God together as one voice, as one family. And this is good for you. Pray you'd believe that. If if I could um, convince you, though, of anything, it's that our desire is that you would be involved and that you would be connected and serving in your local church. I know some of you come from different churches, but first and foremost, you need to be connected to your local church. You need to understand that this is not the church. It's not the church in the small C. We together are the church of a big C. We are the church. But you need to be connected to your church. It's one of the reasons why we only meet twice a month. We don't do it because we have limited resources or we just are lazy. We do it purposefully. We only meet every other week because we don't want you to make this your church. We want you to be connected to your local church, investing and in serving in your community. That's what we want. This is an opportunity for you to come together and to grow with one another, uh, with, with young adults of the same age and demographic, and the same life place. This is what, that, that's what this is. This is an opportunity for you to get to know one another and, and grow in relationship with people that are in a like stage of, of life. On the weeks that we don't have NYA, we go back and forth. And so we have the NYA worship, and then the off weeks, we have our community groups. Our community groups meet on different nights of the week around Abbotsford. And my prayer for you, is, as we launch these tonight, my, my prayer is that you would make a commitment to be involved in a community group that you would commit to knowing that this is good for you and this is God's desire for you. Like I was saying, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter two, he says, listen, Jesus is coming. He's, He's knocking on the door and he's preaching peace to you. And what he's speaking there with the idea that Paul talks about is peace in the sense that he's talking you to come out. He's talking you to come and to have a relationship with God because it's gonna change your life. He's he's calling you to come out and to have a relationship with each other because it's gonna change your life. You see, this is something that God's teaching me and and my mind's being blown. And that is I'm beginning to realize and to understand more deeply that the gospel is about community. If I were to be honest with you, I've really never fully appreciated how much the gospel is about community. And And I think about what, what does that mean? Like what kind of community are we talking about? You see, the gospel is a kind of community where the gospel is calling you to stop looking at yourself, to stop being narcissistic, to stop being so consumed with yourself and to take your focus off yourself and to put it onto God. And God's gonna take your focus and he's gonna put it onto each other. Why? Because your heavenly father wants to see you love one another. But it means then that when we get into community, that we need to realize something. And this is again something God's teaching me, that we need each other. 
You see, when I come here tonight, I have been so looking forward to being with you and to hanging with you and to talking with you because I know that I need you. I need you. And you need me. We need each other. And so when I choose out of laziness not to go and be involved in community, I am denying my brothers and sisters in Christ something that they desperately need. And so do I. When I was reading uh, Bullying Alone, looking at Robert Putnam's work, he said this with regards to community groups, and I think that there's some of us that need to hear this and, and really wrestle with this. He says, but in another sense, small groups may not be fostering community effectively as many of their proponents would like. He says, some small groups merely provide occasions for individuals to focus on themselves in the presence of others. Is that you? See, we might go to community, but again, it's all about me. Community isn't all about you. It's about each other. He says, the social contract binding members together asserts only the weakest of obligations. Come if you have time. Talk if you feel like it. Respect one another's opinions. Never criticize. Leave quietly. A lot of us that have bought into that kind of community. There's a lot of us who have brought that kind of an attitude to community. And what I'm, what I'm asking is would you commit to community? Would you commit in understanding that community isn't all about you, but that the gospel is about a community that is outward focus? It's about other people so that I'm caring for you and you're caring for me, and in doing so, we are healthier and we are growing in our relationship with God. Um, and Paul says one more thing here. That is, that's, that's great. And before I read it, though, this is the last verse. I, I want to just mention something about young adult ministry. Uh, I've been serving as your young adult's pastor for, I think, five years now. And I've been in ministry for 16 years. Uh, Nancy, are you still here? I think she, I think she took our boys off to bed. Uh, she, she was in the back there for a little while. Uh, Nancy and I are celebrating 16 years of marriage today. Today is our anniversary. Oh, I think she's in the kitchen. Sixteen years, and I started ministry the day we got married. So I've been doing ministry now for sixteen years. And one of the things that God has taught me, and this has been one of the honestly one of the hardest parts about doing young adult ministry, God has taught me that doing young adult ministry is like um, is like is like the ocean. The young adult ministry is like a wave. That the, the wave comes in and the wave goes out. The wave comes in and the wave goes out. And to be honest with you, it's actually kind of hard doing young adult ministry because I only get to see you for a little while. I'll get some of you for a week. I'll get some of you for a month. I'll get some of you for a year. I'll get some of you for a couple years, and then you're off. And, and it's hard for me because I love you guys, and it's been awesome getting to know you, but then I see you having to leave. But God's been teaching me something. God's been teaching me, Andy, listen, if the gospel is about community, that when you come and you're part of this community, my prayer for you is is that you would have a Colossians 1 vision, that you would be committed to community and you'd be committed to loving one another, committed to prayer, committed to faith, committed to love. 
And that as you go, wherever God's going to lead you, that you would take that conviction with you. And that you would go and that you would build those kind of communities that you found here, wherever God's going to lead you. And in doing so, we together are building the kingdom of God. And the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I pray for each one of you that God is at work in your life. I want to pray with you. I want to walk with you. And I want to be with you as long as God's going to keep you here. And I want to see you grow in your relationship with God. I want to see you grow in your relationship with each other. I want to see you get committed to a Colossians 1 vision of prayer, of faith, of hope, of love, of growth. And that as you grow personally, that you grow corporately, that we would see the kingdom of God expand all over the world. And I am so proud of so many of you that are serving God, seeking to serve God. Many of you are wanting to go off in the mission field. In fact, I was speaking with Katya. Uh, not to, there she is. I was speaking to Katya the other day. We were, having, we were having lunch and just talking about her dreams of serving God abroad. I was talking to Savannah this summer of her, ser- her dreams of serving God abroad. And as I've been thinking about that, I've been thinking about what does it look like to go abroad and what does it look like to share the gospel? And again, what does it look like? It looks like, Kat, it looks like the day that you'll take this community with you. And you will develop a community that is founded on a confident hope built in the truth of the gospel that is a spring of faith and love and hope relationship. It's a relational gospel. It is a gospel of community. And that's my prayer for you, that you would take that community with you everywhere you go. Amen? And I am telling you, those of you who have gotten into community groups, those of you that have seen this kind of thing developing, does it not change your life and does it not change other people's lives? Amen? I'm telling you, it will change your life. It will change this world. Uh, This summer when we were at Asoyas, I got to tell this story, man, because it's so funny. We were at Wakefest, and we were having an absolute blast. Um, this, uh, this neighbor, right? It was a neighbor that was watching all of this happen, right? 150 young adults just going nuts, having a great time, not destroying anything, right? Uh, and she, go, she comes up to Amanda, and she says, what kind of a group is this? And it was like, I, can I get involved in this, right? And, and Amanda goes, well, we're a church. We're from Northview. And the, and the neighbor goes, what? <laughs> right? Because society's like, what, church? And she said this. This is so great. She goes, you guys must be the most liberal church I've ever seen. <laughs> so good. And Amanda's like losing her mind right now going, what have you seen? Like, what's been going on? Like, I didn't see this. And they, they, like for some people, right, their understanding of church is, oh, it's that boring place that you have to go to and you got to sing those boring songs and listen to that boring preacher. And then you go there, right, in your surrounded little seat because that's what you have to do. And then you leave. 
Listen, I remember being in your seat. I remember being in your life space. I remember when I left home, I remember heading off to college, and I remember waking up on Sunday morning thinking to myself, am I going to go to church today? If you want to know what you believe in, if you want to know what your conviction of community is, that's when you're going to find out. Sunday morning when nobody's pulling you out of bed. By the way, I literally have to pull my children out of bed. Last night, my son hid under the covers. I had to go in there, and I had to get him. I had to pull him out. No one's doing that anymore, right? You could go to church. You could not go to church. It's about what you are convicted. It's about what you believe. It's about the strength of what you think is going to lead to your flourishing, what's good for you. And listen, my prayer for us as we kick off this year is that we would be convicted and that we would have a... um, a Colossians 1 vision that community is good for me. I want community and I know that community is gonna lead to my flourishing. I wanna be a people that pray. I wanna be a people that hope. I wanna be a people that have faith and love and that grow, amen? Amen, will you stand with me? I'm gonna, oh wait, no, 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 don't stand with me. I'm inviting Daniel up. As Daniel comes up to lead us in communion, I'm gonna pray. Jesus, I am so thankful for this community. I I absolutely love the opportunity to get to serve these young adults for the limited amount of time that I get to be with them. And Jesus says, the Apostle Paul prayed over the church in Colossae, so I pray over my brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus, I pray that you would strengthen them. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, I pray you'd give them wisdom. Jesus, I pray that you would give them conviction. Lord, I pray that they would They they would make a commitment to community, a commitment that is built on a foundation of hope that's founded in the gospel, in the truth of your son that died and rose again. And in you, in the defeat of death, we have a wonderful hope that is a wellspring of faith and love. And Jesus, I pray that as they go, they will take this community with them, that gospel-centered community everywhere they go, and that, Jesus, we would see this world change, this lonely and broken world, God. We want to see it changed in your name. Amen.